On October 15, um, SMU which stands for Student Society of McGill University, they sent a letter to Hilal McGill raising concerns about free trips uh, offers that were presented to several small members and executives. The free trips offered are an all-paid trip to Israel, and SMU raised uh, concerns about uh, these trips uh, because of, according to them, the bizarre and contradictory behavior by Hilal representatives in the way they offer these trips to the students. SMU also asked Hilal in this letter, raising concerns, they asked them to make three things public. First, the fact that these invitations have been extended in the first place. Also, they asked them to uh, be public about and transparent about why these individuals were chosen in the first place. And uh, finally, they want them to be transparent and uh, public about the details and specific purpose of these trips. Again, these all uh, paid for uh, trips to Israel. Then on November 13, the McGill Daily published an article written by SPHR McGill, which stands for Students in Solidarity for Palestinian Human Rights in McGill, and written also with the McGill Student Chapter of Independent Jewish Voices Canada. The article was called SMU, AUS and SUS leaders offered free propaganda trips by pro-Israel organizations. So that was the name of the article. In the article, SPHR and IGV Canada, IJV Canada wrote about the issues uh, around these free trips to Israel that were offered to key students in different McGill student organizations. So they, in the article, they talk about their own concerns about these trips and kind of put all these trips in a larger context of uh, propaga propaganda effort by pro-apartheid organizations on campuses. So this three organization mentioned, so SMU stands for Student Society of McGill University. As you know, it's the student union that represents undergraduate students at McGill University. Also, IUS is the Arts Undergrad Society, and SUS is the Science Undergrad Society in McGill. So that was uh, November 13, and then on November 28, we learned of a new motion that was presented to SMU Legislative Council, asking two board members of SMU to resign for accepting these trips because, uh, according to the motion, it seems that it breaks a SMU policy which says that uh, they cannot accept gifts over $50 or uh, $50, to ensure impartiality and so on. So the motion was presented and basically raised concern over the judgment of uh, both board members. So eventually uh, the motion passed during that meeting, but after that we learned that uh, the motion was, uh, wasn't ratified. Also it's important to note that the motion that was voted on at the beginning concerned two board members, uh, Adam Chan and uh, Jordan Wright, but uh, before the voting happened during the Legislative Council, one of the board members' names was taken out because uh, it was learned that he actually decided uh, to, after all, not to go on the trip, so to not accept this invitation. So there was a lot of mainstream media coverage of what happened in the motion. Uh, we learned from Montreal, Ga Montreal Gazette that uh, you know several mainstream media outlets in Canada and Israel covered it, and uh, it was given, uh, it was accused of being anti-Semitic in its nature, and it was reported that the, uh, the other student, the only name left in the motion, according to the report, Jordan Wright, felt that she was targeted because of her Jewish identity.
So that was kind of a general summary of uh, the the timeline, I guess, around this issue. But uh, today we're here to try to understand really what happened and to understand the context behind this controversy uh, beyond the sensationalist misinformation campaign around it. So I have with me in studio a representative of SPHR McGill. Uh, Again, SPHR stands for Students in Solidarity for Palestinian Human Rights in McGill. And uh, so thank you very much for joining me uh, today in studio to talk more about this latest controversy. Thank you for having me. So I guess let's go from the beginning, because at the center of all of this is trips offered to Israel by Hilal, Hilal McGill, which is a student organization on McGill, but I understand it's part of a larger organization. And so maybe can we start by talking about Hilal in particular and what is that organization? What is their mandate? Do you have an idea of the type of activities they do on McGill uh, campus usually? So uh, first of all, to clarify, the the trip was actually, it's a bit complicated, but uh, the trip was actually offered by, is officially offered by Hillel Montreal, which is the kind of citywide uh, Hillel organization. But um, as you mentioned, Hillel, Hillel McGill was also involved in the promotion of the trip in a kind of less official capacity. So two SMU executives who talked to SPHR had actually been approached by uh, members of Hillel McGill. So both organizations were to an extent involved mm-hmm. in this, but um, officially it's, Hillel Mon- it's a Hillel Montreal initiative. Mm-hmm. From what I know, Hillel, um, I mean, it's an international kind of organization. There are chapters throughout North America, uh, both on campuses and off campuses. I'm not an expert, but uh, the Hillel organizations tend to kind of, I mean, they... They describe themselves as Jewish organizations that are there to kind of promote Jewish life, to help Jewish organizational life, but they also they will also take a kind of heavily pro-Israel stance mm-hmm. on their cultural and political activities, mm-hmm. which is why they'd be involved in this kind of. Um, do they usually thing. do any Palestine any, any activities on campus that has to do with Palestine Israel directly? Um, uh, yeah, I believe they, for example, they had, uh, I think I think it was Hello Montreal who last year had inv- had, uh, had hosted uh, a panel of, um, essentially it's a, it's, uh, it's a bunch of retired kind of Israeli military figures who, oh. who, who advocate for kind of, for limiting, you know, Israel's annexationist policies in an attempt to kind of separate Israel from you know, the from Palestinians. So they kind of advocate for a kind of separation between Israel and Palestinians on a kind of, in an attempt to kind of safeguard the Jewish nature of, okay. of yeah. uh, Israel as a, as a Jewish state. I do know that <laughs> one of my friends who did attend it was kind of shocked by the kind of casual anti-Palestinian racism that was present uh, at such an event. Yeah, they they do all kinds of events. Um, they don't, they're not necessarily directly related to Israel and Palestinians, but um, but for sure, Israel advocacy is definitely is definitely a strong part of what they do. Mm-hmm. So these trips, again, at the center of the controversy is these trips. And what I understood from your articles that it is not the first time Hillel uh, offers trips to students on McGill campus, but this time it seems to be more extended. The effort was more extended because up to 20 students, I believe, they were um, invited and they were specifically chosen according to their invitation as, quote, student leaders. So can you talk about sort of the, con- the this these trips in particular, this new invitation in particular? 
Concerning previous years, we don't really know uh, how. We, we do think that, I mean, we do know that actually student, the TSMU leaders were offered trips last year. Uh, we know, I think, at least one or two rejected these trip, this trip, but it was definitely, I'm guessing it wasn't as, as big of, a, of an initiative. Mm-hmm. We also know that uh, in 2018, uh, the Maccabee Task Force, which is one of the, fun- which is funding this trip, actually um, officially extended its operations into Canada. At SPHR, we thought that that might <laughs> that might have explained why um, these trips, such why a similar trip might have been offered last year, and why an expanded version of the trip is being offered this year. Concerning um, who was offered, yeah, it seems that there was the goal was to get as many influencers mm-hmm. or kind of you know students on campus who have a, an official or semi-official leadership position to come on this trip. Um, and they were approached either through kind of you know, personal networks or they were given, they were sent an official invitation. Uh, the funny thing is when, uh, for example, uh, both Sam Howard and Sanchi Bella of the SMU executive were both approached in person by um, Hillel McGill representatives. But then only Sam Howard received an official letter of invitation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's very unclear and strange how exactly they, they decided who they were going to pick. I'm guessing they, they went for people who they thought would accept, and they generally stayed away from people who they thought might actually make some noise about what was going on. Mm. Uh, so uh, Hilal Montreal is one of the initiative part of Generation Montreal, and uh, this, is, this initiative is part of the initiatives created by Federas- the Federation CJA, which is a, a non-Zionist organization. Other initiative they have is Birthright Taglit, which also explicitly say even on their website that uh, the goal is to create solidarity with Israel. So that's the Federation CJA. It's a non-Zionist organization. And so uh, just for people who know, Hillel Montreal is one of the initiative of uh, Generation Montreal, which is an initiative by CGA, uh, CJA that targets uh, young uh, people under 40. So that's the context a bit of Hillel Montreal. You mentioned that these trips extended to Canada. So these trips were already offered on campuses around the U.S. and the funding of that is very controversial. And uh, only recently you guys learned, according to your article, that they want to start offering these trips on uh, Canadian campuses. Can you maybe expand a little bit on this sort of uh, background and the funders, the, this uh, Maccabi Task Force, from your article also I read, you know, someone like uh, Sheldon Adelson also is behind the, the funding of these uh, these trips. So can you maybe talk more about that? And he's the one also behind Taglit Birthright Israel. Yeah, so according to to some research that SPHR did, essentially the there's been about 40 of these kinds of trips with very similar formats, very similar styles of invitation um, that were organized since at least 2014. They weren't, I mean, a lot of these were kind of public. They were publicized in, in local newspapers, but there hasn't yet been much, seemed to, there hasn't yet been much of a reaction against mm-hmm. uh, these trips. Most of them are funded by the Maccabee Task Force, which is an organization which um, claims to be aimed at combating the boycott, divest, and sanctions movement uh, by funding uh, a number of kind of anti-BDS initiatives. One of their tactics is to essentially to give to, to fund you know Hillel, Hillel chapters, most notably, and to essentially um, 
kind of let them do whatever they want with their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they don't have to kind of put the Maccabee Task Force label on that money. And yeah, usually uh, one of the I mean one of the things that they'll do with that money, Hello Chapters, is um, organize these trips. So um, yeah, so Shel- concerning Sheldon Adelson, Sheldon the way Sheldon Adelson uh, ties into this. So Sheldon Adelson's um, he's an uh, an American Jewish uh, billionaire, uh, notable for his right wing views, also ferociously pro pro Israel, uh, ferociously right wing pro Israel. Uh, he once said that Palestinians don't exist. Uh, Trump supporter funds Taglit Birthright, and he also he's a, he was essentially the one who who set up. He founded the Maccabee Task Force in, I believe it was uh, 2014. Uh, yeah, with with the help of other funders. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's kind of how he ties into it. Mm-hmm. So when we say that Sheldon Adelson is funding these trips, we mean I mean indirectly through the Maccabee Task Force mm-hmm. and possibly other other ways. Do we know what usually happened during these trips? So. Um, there's a lot of parallel being made with the Taglit birthright uh, trips. We covered these trips on the show. Um, Manitana even interviewed students uh, who went on these trips and explained uh, a little bit what happened. They were shocked about um, how obviously and openly uh, political it was. It was a propaganda trip. They were shocked. They told me about how they were shocked about the anti-Palestinian racism in it. Um, they were, uh, a lot of time they would go to the Golan Heights or to the occupied Palestinian territories without any information, like the students were not, or the participants were not given any information that right now they're outside of the recognized state of Israel. So they are inside an an occupied territories or they are inside Syria when it comes to Golan Heights. So we really cover these type of trips, um, these propaganda trips. So Taglid Birthright is pretty known propaganda trip that is usually offered to young Jews around the world to create this solidarity with Israel. And there was also another thing I should mention, a lot of time Israeli soldiers are a lot um, uh, present during this trip to create this kind of connection the, with the Israeli army in particular. There is also, if people are interested, there's campaigns calling for the boycott, you know, asking young Jews, you know, campaigns uh, started by a Jewish activists asking young Jews to kind of boycott these uh, campaigns and not participate in them. So that's a bit about Taglit Birthright. What about these trips that are offered to students in particular uh, by Hillel in different campuses in the U.S. and Canada? Do we have an idea what type of trips, what type of activities they do on the trip um, when they go to Israel-Palestine? So actually the, the SPHR article kind of was based on some 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 research on kind of uh, what some people, what people, some people who have some participants have said about these trips. So, for instance, um, take, to take an example, in the University of Wisconsin Madison's Hillel Hillel trip to Israel and uh, occupied Palestinian territories, they actually took a group to the Golan Heights. Um, they got to see a kind of Jewish Jewish and Arab women working together to make fair trade olive oil. Uh, to see how Israel was supposedly helping uh, Syrian refugees in a hospital in the Galilee. They take them on tours to the old city of Jerusalem. They took them to to visit the security barrier tour. I think they, the, very often they'll take them to to actually the the barrier uh, the, the the barrier that's been built around uh, the Gaza Strip. Mm-hmm. They kind of take pictures of Israeli graffiti on the on the Gaza barrier. So, I, I mean, the sense one gets is that it's kind of the main thrust of the trip is to kind of say, look, don't, uh, you know, 
It's complicated. Uh, there's fault on all sides. So don't take a strong stance. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, the goal isn't necessarily to turn people into ardent, uh, you know, Zionists or ardent pro-Israel supporters, but it's quite simply to just kind of neutralize mm. any kind of impulse that students might have to actually try to campaign against Israeli human rights abuses being perpetrated throughout the Palestinian ter- territories and the Golan Heights. So, yeah, that's kind of the, I mean, one, one, one person described it as, um, as propaganda with a little bit of realism thrown in. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, the most effective propaganda is propaganda that doesn't necessarily look like propaganda, that just seems like kind of, uh, you know, an innocent experiential trip. Um, yeah, I mean, and obviously there's, you know, They'll they'll argue that oh uh, they're going to go to Ramallah for for a few days so you know they're going to get to see the Palestinian perspective but at the end of the day I mean okay you'll go and talk to a few to uh, you know some Palestine Authority officials who first of all are relatively sheltered from um, you know from house demolitions um, you know extrajudicial executions torture in Israeli prisons these kinds of things um, but at the end of the day. Who controls the narrative of the trip? What's the overall thrust of the trip? That's how I would. That's why I would argue that it's it's kind of a thinly veiled propaganda trip. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the trip. So to come back a little bit to McGill and uh, uh, Smu in particular. So Smu had the problem with the invitations. And um, you guys, in the article, you talk about the larger context and really the propaganda aim of these trips and also the funding and all that. But Smu, uh, their concerns were more sort of very specific to to uh, maybe the behavior or the logistics or the way these invitations were actually presented to the students and to the Smu executives in particular. Uh, one of their concerns is that there was really a lot of lack of transparency and a lot of weird contradictory behavior by Hillel representative and the way they uh, presented the invitations. But there were several other things that they had problem with. So c- can you maybe talk to us about that, um, about what was the problem with SMU at the beginning when it comes to these invitations? The SMU, so the SMU executives, um, as you mentioned, they had issues with the way that they were approached, the fact that Two, only two of them were approached as if, as if they had been kind of, you know, targeted because they were viewed as maybe more friendly to this kind of initiative. Then the fact that only one of them was actually provided with a, with a written invitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you covered, I mean, kind of what they, what they themselves had said in their statement, in their letter, and then in, later in their statement, um, that this wasn't at all a kind of open process. This wasn't... This wasn't something that anybody could just apply to. People were specifically approached, mm-hmm. given this offer, mm-hmm. and then just so that it wouldn't look as if they were being offered a free gift, they were told that they had to go and apply. Oh, really? So, the, I mean, yeah, so that was actually one of the, 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 one of the main justifications for the, the board of direct, for the board of directors deciding that, uh, that this trip worth thousands of dollars was not a gift, mm-hmm. um, was that that app that participants actually had to technically oh. but it was people who, i mean it was a, it was a kind of it was a pre-selected applicant pool mm-hmm. essentially of people who were going to apply it's not like anybody at mcgill could just apply to this trip it wasn't you know advertised so that anybody could apply certain people were targeted um and the people who accepted were then told to just apply and then supposedly you know 
they were. <laughs> but it was clearly that yeah. we're sent an invitation. There is a written invitation to say we invite you to come. I'm going to pay for everything. Yeah. So. so so in some cases they got they got a written invitation kind of early. Like the SMU executives actually, I mean one of the SMU executives actually received a, a written invitation. Uh, some people didn't receive an invitation until they had actually applied and been accepted, mm-hmm. within quotes. Mm-hmm. And then they received the kind of, kind of like an invitation that mm-hmm. kind of explained what this, uh, what this program was about. So it was kind of an unofficial. Uh, so everybody received that final kind of, um, I don't know what it's called, like the trip package. Yeah. But not everybody received, uh, received uh, a formal invitation earlier on. So there was a very, it was a completely uneven and kind of um, case by case uh, strategy to, you know, to yeah. to approach different people. There's another thing about transparency concerning objectives in particular. So they were saying, as Smu was saying in their letter of concern to Hillel, that some of them uh, were uh, were told that this is confidential type of invitation. Others were not told that. They said to some that this uh, this trip is good because you're going to get to see BDS uh, in its context. Mm-hmm. Well, in the written invitation, they don't mention that. Mm-hmm. In the written invitation, what's interesting, they really make it look like this is an unbiased trip mm-hmm. and you're going to get perspective from so many people and so on. So the objective of the trip is not openly stated by Hilal. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's about the smooth concerns. There's another concern you guys raised, aside from these kind of legislative or technical problems that Hillel uh, was doing, I guess. You guys raised another concern in your article about Article 4F, and it says uh, that officials at SMU cannot accept gifts which, quote, possibly would influence the concerned individual in the performance of their duties. Can you elaborate on that? So what is this article? And why do you guys feel that these uh, invitations, if accepted, they would kind of hinder the possibility of the students to do their jobs? Yeah. So the so this is so Article Four F of the this is Article Four F of the conflict of smooth conflict of interest mm-hmm. policy. So this is a policy that's that's intended to make sure that student officials aren't um, aren't being unduly influenced mm-hmm. by on or off campus organizations. I mean, SPHR's argument was that this is a you know a trip worth thousands of dollars. It's being offered to selected student leaders, most of them elect, many of them, at least probably most of them elected student uh, leaders. So for us, this was pretty clearly a gift. Uh, the fact that, and I think the reason that that they that they made sure that there was an application process. That, that there was this kind of technical application process was to try to to, to put a bit of you know to kind of try to get around that, mm-hmm. to create a kind of loophole to, to get around the conflict of interest policy, which clearly seems to have worked since the board of directors decided, you know, decided to accept that mm-hmm. uh, that that view. Um, I mean, yeah, personally, mm-hmm. I don't, uh, I'm not very convinced. Yeah, <laughs> uh, many people are not convinced. So after... Um, on November, so we are here on November 28th, during the Legislative Council, there was a motion that was presented during that uh, that meeting asking, um, and this is kind of the center or the reason behind this interview in a way, because there was a lot of controversy that kind of exploded at the end around that motion in particular. And um, the motion was... Uh, 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 centered around two small uh, board members, if I and you can correct me afterward. But what I understood, there's two board members that were the, the subject of this motion, 
And the person who presented the motion, basically, uh, his argument that uh, they accepted gifts over $50. And apparently, according to him, there is a policy that, you know, SMU members should not accept gifts over $50, obviously, for impartiality reasons and so on. And so because of that, the motion was asking these two board members to uh, resign because there's, you know, questions around their judgment. But eventually, one of the two names were dropped. And so from that, I guess, take us through what happened. So more details about the motion and what took place during that meeting in particular. Yeah, first to clarify, the, the motion was calling on them to to either renounce going on the trip or to resign. Mm-hmm. So it actually gave them a choice. So init- I think the, yeah, so the board of directors had initially decided, had decreed that this was somehow not a conflict of interest. So... A member or a, mon- a few members of legislative council basically thought that this was, just didn't agree with that judgment. So they decide they 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 brought up this motion, calling on uh, on these two individuals to resign. The reason that other that other members of legislative council and of the board weren't um, weren't included in the motion, I'm still I mean, I'm not exactly clear exactly on the on the technicalities, but. In both the case of Jonah Levitt and uh, Andrew Chase, who are both also going on the trip, I think, um, yeah, in both cases they were they were technically just not under the jurisdiction of the SMU Legislative Council. So I believe Jonah Levitt, uh, yeah, he's on, he's on the board of directors and is not and is not um, is not subject to the Legislative Council's uh, authority. And then Andrew Chase. Is not on the board of directors. Is mm-hmm. um, an AUS uh, representative to SMU, so for that reason, he he was also wasn't um, under SMU Legislative Council's jurisdiction. Uh, on the other hand, um, Aidan Chan and Jordan Wright um, were both are both on the board are on the board of directors, but they're also representatives to AU from AUS and yeah AUS representative to SMU and SUS representative to SMU mm. respectively. Uh, so that was the reason that theirs were their only name were their only names uh, on the motion. Uh, Aiden Chan had eventually decided to not go on the trip, so that's why Jordan Wright's name was the only one that that remained on the motion. Mm-hmm. For people who are listening, my good students, if they want you know complete com- uh, transparency, the actual meeting and all the vote is on YouTube. People can watch it. I before I came the, for the interview, I watched you know maybe half of it. So it was it, the motion is very clear who was named and the purpose of it. Um, but uh, what happens afterwards? So when the debate started over the motion, what was the kind of the concerns and what was the result of the vote uh, at that time? I mean, a lot of the arguments against the motion were that uh, that the board of directors had already made a decision. So SMU Legislative Council had no right to make its own to make to make its own independent judgment. The arguments in favor of the motion, um, I mean. There were a few. One of them being that that you know, if SMU Legislative Council, being the being you know more democratic body, decided that the board of directors' decision just didn't cut it, then they should be able to to, to push the board of directors to um, reconsider its decision about uh, what constitutes a conflict of interest. Supporters of the motion were basically basically arguing that this was pretty clearly a gift being given by uh, you know an organization with a political agenda funded by the Maccabee Task Force, which definitely has a clear political agenda, mm-hmm. funded by Sheldon Adelson and so on and so forth. So uh, that was more or less, I think, that those were the main lines of the debate. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, after like seven hours of of legislative council, which included obviously a, a bunch of other motions, some of which were also controversial, legislative council voted to voted in favor of the motion by eleven votes for. Uh, nine votes against and four abstentions. But after that, we learned that the motion was not ratified, so did right. not pass. So. Yeah, so there was a big backlash after that. Uh, there were claims that Jordan Wright had, had been personally targeted um, because she was Jewish. There were pretty grave claims of anti-Semitism made, even though actually some of the, the legislative councillors uh, being accused of anti-Semitism are Jews themselves. But in any case, I mean... Um, I mean, I'm not going to address the, you know, the specific uh, allegations which were made because it's not my place to say, you know, if some of the accusations might have been justified or not. But according to a Bolden Bear article that came out last week, Deputy Provost uh, for Student Life and Learning Fabrice Labou actually threatened, may have threatened, actually threatened uh, to cut SMU funding. This was something that was... Who's that again? Sorry? So Fabrice Labou is the Deputy Provost for Life and Learning. Mm-hmm had apparently, uh, yeah, threatened to, to jeopardize Smooth's funding. Actually, uh, Fabrice Lebo had also been, uh, had actually come to the Legislative Council at the beginning of Legislative Council to, to answer a number of questions, but he also kind of used the opportunity to, to essentially warn Legislative Council against voting for the motion. Oh. Claiming that, you know, that uh, there were students on campus who would feel, who would feel unsafe if this motion was passed. So on the, the Monday after that, the board of directors essentially voted against uh, the motion. And when members of the gallery actually asked why the board of directors had decided to overturn uh, SMU Council's motion, the main response was actually, well, we signed a contract that we can't jeopardize SMU's funding, that we have to, you know, look out for the best interests of SMU. So um, we basically were worried about funding getting jeopardized. So people, I mean, yeah, the the board, of, the directors openly stated that um, you know even even directors who had who had supported the motion initially, mm-hmm. who were kind of morally in favor of the motion, actually voted against it just because they were worried about smooth funding getting cut. So a big question around the sort of the independence of SMU being jeopardized. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was pretty clearly like uh, you know the administration weighing very very heavily uh, into into smooth democratic process. So uh, obviously it's troubling. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not going to be the last last time it happens. Mm-hmm. And why do you think, uh, in your opinion, they interfered in that, uh, in that way uh, for, that, uh, for that particular issue? So after the Legislative Council motion was passed um, and uh, Representative Jordan Wright posted, um, post, made, made, her, made her statement about about it, a bunch of newspaper of Montreal newspapers, and you know even further off, I think uh, an Israeli newspaper also picked it up. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which one, and kind of immediately started kind of magnifying these accusations of of, accus- of anti-Semitism, claiming that um, that a student, a Jewish student, had been singled, had been had been was being forced to resign for taking a trip to Israel, mm-hmm. <laughs> without mentioning any of the you know of the broader context of what. That, that trip actually was, mm-hmm. and why pe- so many people had actually taken exception to this trip. Um, so both SMU and SUS had taken a position against the trip and actually asked this representative to resign. Um, the Arts Undergraduate Society Legislative Council also condemned the trips and called on on two of their members to to not go on the trip. 
I mean, if the administra if the administration immediately interfered that heavily, uh, whereas it hasn't, I mean, it, it won't usually it won't usually in interfere to to to, to kind of. Uh, on behalf of students facing, you know, doxing, uh, racial abuse. I mean, you know, this, rarely does, does McGill ever take a, any kind of stand. So in this case, it was kind of surprising to see them take a stand until you realize that McGill, as a, you know, as an, as an institution, will react to negative press coverage more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So I think as soon as allegations of anti-Semitism were made against SMU and by extension against McGill, uh, rea um, McGill's reaction was to just immediately try to shut down anything that could be happening that might have led to to this media to this media uproar. The deputy provost had even warned against uh, this motion, so it's pretty clear where the administration stands, and it's and uh, it's pretty clear that the McGill administration will happily intervene heavily in uh, in smooth politics mm -hmm. if uh, if it doesn't like what it sees. Were you surprised the media attention that it got, the whole the situation got uh, at the end? Um, not really, because unfortunately the issue became very much individualized, and everything, and because of the way that that um, that the smooth motion ended up um, only kind of um, implicating one person, uh, the fact that. Uh, that fact has kind of individualized the whole issue and suddenly distracted, made made a whole issue which was so, which was about funding, which was about propaganda, which was about, you know, a broad North American campaign to push pro-Israel narratives. It just reduced all of that to um, allegations of of Smu having mistreated an individual member. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think it was predictable that uh, that it was gonna that it was gonna that you know. Certain newspapers were going to pick up on it. Uh, the way they reported on it was pretty bad. I mean, uh, a lot of it was faction correct. A lot of the, I mean, it's like the newspapers didn't really bother to to really kind of look into the intricacies of what had actually happened um, on campus. Unfortunately, there's a long history of of, of media picking up on accusations of of uh, anti-Semitism on university campuses to shut down uh, pro-Palestine activism. And uh, any kind of campus activity which um, which is uh, pushing for accountability for Israel's human rights abuses. So it's not really it's not really surprising, and it's not going to be the last time it happens. Mm. It's interesting. We see that case right now happening. Only two weeks uh, ago, I interviewed uh, someone from um, the Palestine Solidarity uh, Group in New York University about the mm -hmm. protest. Yes. About the protest that happened at York University, and this was much bigger issue. And the protester, Palestine Solidarity protesters, there were represented as this horrible anti-Semites who were screaming uh, anti-Semitic things that I won't even repeat, uh, repeating. Mm -hmm. And there was this a massive uh, campaign in mainstream media to vilify the protesters instead of JDL members, which is an off-campus pro-apartheid Zionist group, came into the campus, attacked these students, and the administration seemed to have done nothing in New York University, security and the police did nothing, even they saw the attack. So we covered a lot of these details in an interview I did two weeks ago, so I really encourage people to go listen to it. Uh, but uh, we talked about how the mainstream media really, how it flipped the scenario completely. And just to give an update, because we, uh, just recently Jerusalem uh, Post, which is an, uh, an Israeli newspaper, which was kind of the first to kind of get on this narrative
perspective of um, this mass anti-Semitic protest happening at York University. After being pushed by a Canadian activist, um, Marion Kawas pushed for them to give evidence to what they're saying. They mm-hmm. actually released an update on their um, their articles saying that actually we don't have really evidence of that and this didn't really happen. So they kind of toned down the the... Mm-hmm. The, the accusation they made in the article, but the damage was done and mainstream media jumped on it. So that's kind of to add to the discussion about how mainstream media represent these things, these um, these issues on Canadian campuses. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the York example is just, is just one of the most grotesque examples. I mean, uh, you had you had students who were beaten up by JDL members, uh, some pretty violently. Uh, the JDL, I mean, is I think I believe is even registered as a as a terrorist organization in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, you know, newspapers like the Jerusalem Post immediately kind of jumped on uh, on uh, on an accusation that had been made by one of the, by actually by a, a former Israeli soldier who mm-hmm. I believe who was present uh, yeah. at, uh, on campus at the time to claim that they that that. The protesters had made had made these horribly anti-Semitic uh, slogans. Since then, as you've said, they've I think they've gr- they kind of grudgingly accepted that uh, they might not have they didn't actually have any evidence. Mm-hmm. I think they haven't fully kind of admitted that they that they published a blatant lie. No, yeah. But as you said, I mean, it's it's disturbing because um, I for one used to think that you know that newspapers were more rigorous with this kind of thing, but it seems that at the end of the day. They're happy to throw out a blatant lie if it if it helps push a certain agenda, and you know if eventually they have to kind of half-heartedly admit that maybe they were telling a blatant lie, they might they might do it. But as you say, the damage is done, and uh, and it does huge damage to anybody who's trying to to bring attention to what's going on in Palestine. Mm-hmm. I saw on your Facebook page also you got support from um, NDP. Uh, NDP group on campus. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, um, so I believe NDP, NDP McGill, kind of they actually they just came came out against uh, the Hillel propaganda trips um, pretty strongly. Um, they also kind of pushed back against some of the accusations that were being made uh, against the Smooth Legislative Council motion. I'm not. I don't have the 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 post. Um, in front of me, so I, I don't, I can't, I don't remember exactly what the the post was saying, but they essentially, uh, they essentially argued pretty forcefully that this was, yeah, that the Hillel trips were pretty clearly problematic in a number of, for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. It's a long statement. They said that as a small club, we first wish to express our concern that governing official within SMU would accept a free trip offered by them by virtue of their position as student, quote, student leader a trip to any country designed to inform a leader's views that is fully funded by an external entity should worry any student concerned about the impartiality of their union. Moreover, as ardent supporters of union rights, we are deeply concerned that the McGill administration would threaten to hold SMU accountable, quote, accountable, for a decision they disagree with. The independence of unions, including student unions, is central to the healthy functioning of society. Uh, we unequivocally condemn any form of anti-Semitism, including instances where anti-Zionism is used as a guise for anti-Semitic sentiment. However, we caution students to not instinctively color criticism of Israeli policies or messaging campaigns as anti-Semitic. This suggests that the Jewish community holds 
a monolithic position on Israel, which is an inaccurate and essentialist characterization of Jewish attitudes. And so this is part, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is kind of part of uh, the statement by the NDP, uh, McGill. Also, I should uh, mention a statement by the Independent Jewish Voices Canada that was released that also offered uh, support for uh, SMU, uh, SMU executives in particular. Um, they uh, they say, I'm going to read part of it, uh, they say, I'm quoting, SMU has come under harsh criticism for censoring a student leader for accepting an all-expenses-paid trip to Israel-Palestine, while one student, Jordan Wright, claims that she was singled out for accepting the trip invitation simply because she is Jewish. We stand by the SMU in affirming the fact that the motion censoring Wright had nothing to do with her Jewish identity, but rather the fact that she was in contravention of the SMU's own conflict of interest policy for accepting a gift worth over $50 in monetary value. The reason she was the only person named in the smooth motion is because she was the only person who accepted the trip, who was both on the SMU Legislative Council and the Board of Directors. The motion originally included Aiden Chan, the only other councillor who sits on both bodies, but he withdrew from the trip a few days before the Legislative Council took the vote. They continue also... Uh, uh, Aaron uh, Lakoff, who is a member of AGV, continues to explain in the statement, and I'm quoting, IJV firmly stands against any, uh, any and all acts of anti-Semitism, wherever they may appear. But sadly, this is another example of pro-Israel groups using the red herring argument that anything that might hurt the reputation of Israel on campus is by extension anti-Semitism. Not only do false claims of anti-Semitism in this case, hurt Palestinian students and their allies at McGill, but they also serve to put Jewish students at risk by weakening our, our ability to recognize actual acts of anti-Semitism when they occur. Unquote. So that was, you know, part of the also long statement by Independent Jewish Voices Canada, who voiced their uh, support for SMU and uh, rejected the uh, uh, the accusation by the McGill administration and pro-Israel lobby groups uh, directed at the SMU, uh, at, the, at the Student Society of McGill University. And, um, and uh, so finally, as a, a representative and a member of SPHR, McGill, do you have you know, a final message, I guess, to say to students who might have these type of uh, trips offered to them? Why do you think... Um, they should reject these invitations? Uh, first of all, I think I'd say that, uh, as others have already said, this, is, this isn't just about um, you know, a propaganda trip to, to Israel and occupied Palestine. It's about, in any case, where you'd have an organization offering free trips to student leaders to go push uh, you know, a politicized narrative, that would be an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, Personally, I'd be just as disturbed, and I think anybody should be just as disturbed if um, if a pro-China organization on campus had been um, were offering such a trip to student leaders to go visit parts of China and parts of you know occupied Tibet and occupied East Turkestan, uh, Xinjiang, in an attempt to kind of you know paint Chinese policies in a more favorable light. Um, same for you know any country committing human rights abuses. So, uh, yeah, I think there's something more bro- kind of broader at stake. 
So I guess for the people who are taking this trip, I'd say you have to think to maybe think twice about participating in such a trip, given everything that you know and given everything that you know about over 40 other trips uh, or if not hundreds of trips of such trips that have been going on throughout North America. And um, maybe try to talk to people, especially, you know, Palestinian students on campus who are actually... Um, who are affected by by Israel's policies every day of their lives, and who and who are also affected by by these kinds of campaigns to try to whitewash um, the Israeli state's image, and to kind of sideline their very real concerns about what is going on in occupied Palestine. Once again, you just heard from a member and a representative of SPHR. Magil, uh, SPHR stands for Students in Solidarity for Palestinian Human Rights uh, in McGill University. And uh, we were talking about the latest controversies that really started um, because of free all expenses paid trips that uh, were being offered uh, to what seems to be very select few students at McGill University. These trips Uh, were offered by Hillel Montreal with the collaboration of Hillel McGill, which is their branch in, uh, on campus, in McGill campus. And the trips were offered to go to Israel. So thanks again for joining me in studio today to talk more about this issue. Thank you. My name is Sausan Kadura, and you are listening to Under the Olive Tree.